The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. Is independent publishing for you? Find out as we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of indie publishing, or sometimes called self-publishing. Uh, this is the second in a uh, two-part series, uh, episode 29. We talked about the pros and cons of traditional publishing, and now we are going to share and share alike when it comes to indie publishing. Uh, but first, some background. Uh, so as you know, I used to be a literary agent, and I've worked with traditionally published authors for 10 years in various capacities as a marketing consultant, and I worked as the marketing director for a publishing company. So I know the traditional world, but as some of you may not know, I am also personally an independent author. When I wrote my book, Courtship in Crisis, based off of my viral blog post, I chose to publish it independently rather than going with a publishing company, even though I had the option of going with a publishing company. I I was told I could get a contract within 30 days. Uh, It was going to be an easy path to being traditionally published, but I chose not to. And I've worked with some very successful indie authors over the last 10 years. I've also worked with some very disillusioned, frustrated, and unhappy indie authors over the last 10 years. So the bottom line is, I don't feel like I'm a partisan in the indie versus traditional battle, so to speak. At a lot of conferences, people are squaring off with each other, looking for a debate. And uh, from where I sit, I see good and bad in both indie publishing and traditional publishing. And so with that, let's talk about the good of indie publishing. What is the advantage of indie publishing? The first advantage of indie publishing is that there's no gatekeeper to block you. You get to say yes to yourself. Uh, And this is really key, especially if Uh, The world is set against you. If you can't find anyone who believes in you, you don't need that. All you need is an audience that believes in you, and you can make your book a success. I shared the example in the previous episode of Mary DeMuth, who was rejected by many traditional publishers. She went with indie publishing. She said yes to herself, and her book is changing the world. Now, the second advantage of indie publishing is that you have complete control over the book. Now, This can be a disadvantage if you make bad decisions or if you uh, don't invest in education uh, and you're not making the right calls because ultimately you have the final say. Uh, It doesn't mean that you're doing all of the work. Uh, Indie publishing and self-publishing, some people differentiate those in that indie publishing is acting like an independent publisher where you surround yourself with professionals, whereas self-publishing is doing it all yourself. Uh, I find that even people who are quote-unquote doing self-publishing are still hiring other people to do some aspects uh, of the of the book, to make the book happen. The printing and the designing and all of that really are, there are more skills there than what one person can do, at least what most people can do. But you have the final say-so. You're the one who's working with the cover designer. You're the one who's working with the interior designer, which means you need to know enough about cover design to be able to provide useful input. And I was actually on a a consulting call with an independent author, a very successful independent author who was really struggling over a book cover, didn't know what to do and didn't know how to interact with the designer 
and and needed my help. And that's uh, what this author called me in to help with. And I was happy to help with it. Uh, But it was a dilemma that this author didn't have uh, with the traditionally published books that they had done previously, because somebody else had the final say. There was somebody at the publisher who had a lot of experience in book covers and knew how to interact with the designers. So you have complete control both for good and for bad. And the next pro of indie publishing is that you make between $2 and $10 a book or $9 a book, let's say, depending on how your book is priced. And because of this, it is a lot easier for independent authors to make good money off of smaller followings. So while a thousand people reading your book or 2000 people reading your book isn't enough readers to make your book profitable as a traditionally published book, if you have 2000 people reading your book and they're paying $10 a book, that's $20,000. That's enough potentially to be interesting if you're independently published. And I know indie authors who are making so much money as indie authors that they really can't afford to switch because they are providing for their family now with their indie writing. And if they were to switch to traditional publishing, they would take a significant pay cut. And so even though sometimes they want to be traditionally published so they can get access to bestseller lists and awards, um, they can't afford it because they're just making so much money per book as an independent author. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, The overall size of the pie is typically smaller for independent books. You sell fewer copies, but your piece of the pie is much larger. So independent authors make between 30 and 70% of the book's value. Traditional authors make, you know, 5 to 15% of the book's value, uh, again, depending on the contract and lots of different complicated things. And if you want to hear more about those things, listen to our previous episode. We go into more detail. Uh, so the big advantage is that um, you're making more money per book. Uh, another advantage is that you have access to all of the marketing data. And this is so key, especially for fast-moving genres. If you're in a really fast-moving market, good access to marketing data is really the only path to success, uh, which is why certain categories of publishing have been almost completely taken over by indies, especially in the genre fiction space. So if you're reading military science fiction, if you're reading certain kinds of romance, there's a good chance that three out of four of the top authors or eight out of the 10 of the top authors top authors in terms of money that they make every month are independently published because they have access to good, fast data, and they're able to adapt to marketing uh, strategies and marketing plans and kind of the marketing reality. And also they can advertise uh, because of this data. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we interviewed Chris Fox. We promised a webinar. That webinar is tomorrow. So it's not too late to register. If you are listening to this podcast Uh, the day it comes out or the day after, um, when we talk about advertising, because advertising is a really powerful tool, and it's a tool that only independent authors can really take advantage of because they're the only ones with the data and the only ones with the margins. Your publisher can advertise if you're traditionally published, but if they're choosing not to advertise, you can't really do it for them. So you're kind of out of luck. Uh, Whereas with indie publishing, again, you say yes to yourself. And then the final pro of indie publishing is that it is fast. And this is the reason I chose to be an independently published author with my book, Courtship in Crisis. 
there was a moment, a cultural moment, when the community that I was writing to was examining itself. It was looking deeply in the mirror and asking questions about how it was doing relationships because the conservative homeschool community, um, the children who grew up in that weren't getting married for the most part. They were in their 20s and they were in their 30s and some were in their 40s and the majority of them were not married. And it was like, this is the moment. <laughs> it's like something is broken. I know what's broken and I know what the solution is and I need to get my book out while everyone is having the self-examination period because the moment is going to go away. And sure enough, the moment went away. <laughs> the moment is now gone. If I were to write my book today, it wouldn't nearly be as successful because the conversation has happened between my blog post and my book and the other uh, blog posts and um, documentaries that have come out on the topic. The conversation has completely shifted. And there's very few advocates of courtship anymore. Like <laughs> They've more or less gone away because in most of them, uh, have or many of them, I will say, have come to agree, yes, this system didn't work. They may not agree with me on the, what the solution is, but the fact that many, many young people were stuck being single was very frustrating. And I knew that the only way to move fast enough to take advantage of that you know, special moment in history was to be independently published. Uh, so now this leads us to the cons of traditional publishing. And the cons, I'll talk about a few of them and how you can offset those cons. And we'll go into the first one, which is expensive. So it cost me about $10,000 to publish my book. I think I spent $5,000 or $6,000 just on editors because, uh, you know, it was my first book. I knew I wanted it to be high quality and I knew I needed more than one editor. But here's what's interesting. I did not pay any of those $10,000 myself, or hardly any of them, because I raised the funds to publish my book on Kickstarter from my crowd, from the audience of blog readers that I had who were already wanting my book and asking me to write it. And I will say, if you were interested, I'd be happy to do an episode at some point in the future on crowdfunding, how to do it. I used to have an entire podcast called The Creative Funding Show, which I often get mixed up with the Christian Publishing Show because they're very similar names, at least in my head. Um, a whole podcast on crowdfunding. It's something I know a lot about. I'm very versed in it. And I'd be happy to go in more and kind of how you can crowdfund a book. But in the meantime, you're welcome to go and listen to the old episodes of that show. It still exists at creativefundingshow.com. Uh, but if you don't know how to crowdfund or if you don't have a big platform, this it really is a con because all of the costs of publishing the book are coming out of your pocket. Uh, there are companies that are full service companies that say, pay us one fixed fee and we'll hire all the different people. Almost that exception, those companies are far, far more expensive than you hiring those people yourself, like five to 10 times more expensive than you finding the professionals uh, to work with on your own, which actually leads us to the next con of indie publishing, which is you have to find professionals to work with. Now, again, for some authors, if they're well-connected, they go to lots of writers' conferences, they know lots of professionals in the industry, this isn't much of a con because they already know some good editors, they know some good cover designers, or they know where to go to find them, which, spoiler, the Christian Writers Market Guide has hundreds of pages of resources for independent authors. So if you're not sure where to find the professionals, uh, the Christian Writers Market Guide is the place to go 
And it, it, the offer, if you buy the paper copy, you still get the one-year free membership to the online edition. All you have to do is email in your receipt. I think it's receipt at christianwritersmarketguide.com, and you'll get a uh, coupon code of how to sign up. Uh, it is totally worth the money, and the online version is kept up to date and um, regularly as to who to talk to and who's good. And it's got cover designers, it's got editors, it's got printers, it's got the works. It's very, very useful. Um, indie publishing without the market guide it, it's just harder. It's just harder. It's, uh, it's well worth the money. It will pay for itself. But my advice when it comes to hiring professionals, if you're an independent publisher, is to only work with professionals who have happy clients that you can find on your own. So anyone can put testimonials on their website of their three friends who bought their service and liked what they had to do. Uh, it's worth it to make sure you're able to, on your own, find happy clients who will recommend that person. This will protect you from 99% of the scam artists because there are people in this industry uh, who are just have bad experience after bad experience and they take advantage of authors who aren't doing their research. Uh, those kinds of people are not included in the market guide. No one in the market guide is known to be bad. But uh, I would, if it was me, I would go the next step and look to make sure I have happy clients. Uh, so that's kind of my two cents. This isn't a how to publish independently podcast. We may do that in a future episode. This is the pros and cons to help you decide which is for you. Are these cons cons that you're able to handle? Uh, the next con of indie publishing is that you have a lot more to learn. Uh, so when I was in business school, we had to take an economics class. We had to take an accounting class. And I was a management marketing major. And yet I had to take two classes on accounting. I had to take at least one class on finance. I had to take classes on, you know, dealing with labor unions, all of these different topics that weren't directly related to what I was doing. You know, I wasn't studying to become an accountant, but I needed to know enough accounting where I could have a conversation with my accountant and know what they were saying, right? I know what a profit and loss statement is and what the difference is between that and a balance sheet, you know, and then understanding the difference between a debit and a credit, you know, kind of the fundamentals of accounting. And this is what pretty much all business schools, that's the approach that they use. You have to get a broad education in accounting and all of these other business topics. And then you get a focused education in your particular specialty, your area of focus. It's the same with publishing. You're going to go deep on writing, right? That's the thing that you do. You have to be really, really good at writing. If you're writing fiction, really, really good at connecting with your audience. If you're writing nonfiction, which is a slightly different skill, uh, but still very closely related. And for some authors, it's the same. Um, but you need to be at least a little bit deep on cover design and marketing and dealing with, you know, the publishing process and understanding the difference between offset and print on demand and, you know, what the interior design is. And you need to understand all of these different elements, which just requires more education. More education is not a bad thing. And uh, traditional authors also have a lot they have to learn. One advantage that traditionally published authors have is that they often have an agent who already knows a lot of the things. And so they don't have to go through as much education themselves. They can just ask their agent, pick their agent's brain, which is free, which is a nice advantage to having an agent. Um, so just keep that in mind. There is a learning curve to becoming independently published that is significant. Although uh, the really well-paid indie authors, the ones who are making tons of money, 
they're doing it because they're publishing multiple books because that first book you publish independently is such a learning curve. There's so much to learn. But the second one, you've learned it all already. You're only adding to what you already know and it gets really easy. And after a while, I know indie authors who are able to write a book a month. They just sit down, they write a book a month and in a year they'll write 10 books and they have a month off for Christmas and a month off to go to Hawaii. And that's their life. And they're living very happily selling a book a month. And because indie publishing is so fast, they can do that. There are almost no traditionally published authors where their publisher allows them to have that frequency, even if they can write that fast. And even if their readers want to read that many books from them, the publisher can't handle it. And so the publisher will say no. So if you're a really fast author, uh, consider indie publishing because it potentially could be very lucrative. Uh, and you can have a very passionate group of fans who just expect to buy a new book from you every month or every two months or however long it takes you to write. And the next disadvantage of indie publishing is that uh, there's no gatekeeper to protect your reputation. Uh, so you'll notice these are kind of echoes, some of the things we talked about in the last episode. And so I won't harp on this too much, but uh, it's important to get another set of eyes on your work to make sure you're not embarrassing yourself. And a lot of indie authors, no one has the heart to tell them that their baby is ugly. And the reason why they're just so disillusioned is everyone's kind of beating around the bush that their book isn't any good. And they keep trying and trying to make it work. And it just doesn't work because there's no market for the book that they made. And there's a certain kind of person who goes indie after failing to go traditional. And the reason that they that traditional didn't work was that they were just out of tune with the community around them. Culture is going is zagging and they are zigging and they're just out of resonance with the music around them. Uh, they're out of resonance with what people are wanting to read. And because of that, no one wants to read their book. And if no one wants to read your book traditionally published, no one's going to want to read your book independently published. That's not a problem of the style of publishing you picked. It's a problem with the kind of book that you're wanting to write. And the solution here, I have a very clear solution, and that is write the kind of books that people already want to read. <laughs> it's not about you. Get over yourself. Serve people and love people and give them what they need instead of what, he, uh, what you want them to need. Uh, give them what they want instead of what you think they want. Um, sorry if that's a little uh, harsh, but it's just how it is. Got to love other people and you have to love them in the books that you write. Uh, in, unless you're writing you know, a memoir to pass down to your children. In which case, publish indie and don't bother with any of the like learning, right? And don't expect it to sell more than you know however many copies you have kids for, and however many copies you want passed out at your funeral. I had a great grandfather who wrote a memoir, and it's treasured by his kids and their kids and their kids, and it was passed out at his funeral, and it was great, uh, and it was independently published. They typed it on typewriters, <laughs> and my dad helped edit it. Uh, and everyone was happy with that book, and he, it met its expectations because no one was expecting it to become his magnum opus. All right, so some other cons. Um, you don't get placed in physical bookstores. And I just want to say beware of uh, publishing companies that make it sound like you will be placed in physical bookstores. There are a lot of predatory publishing companies that make it sound like this is what's going to happen. When in real in reality, what they're doing is they're working with Ingram, which is the world's biggest distributor of books, to get you listed on Ingram's computer so that any bookstore can order your book to be shipped in. That's not special. Everybody does that. <laughs> like literally all of the publishers do that. That's not special. And it's not placement. 
being placed on the computer of the library's bookstore or the bookstore's bookstore is no different than being placed on any other computer, right? All the computers are connected to the internet. Any book, any of those computers can access your book. Uh, what traditional publishing gives you is at least for 30 days, you get uh, potentially, you, depending on how good the traditional publisher is at selling your book through its retail partners, you get placed actually physically in the physical bookstore. Uh, Indie doesn't offer that. Now, you may be like, well, I don't care about that, right? Because a lot of the Christian bookstores are going away. More and more people are buying online. And I would say you're right, right? Especially for fiction, the big whale readers, people are reading hundreds and hundreds of books a year. Uh, they switch to Kindle, they switch to ebooks, they switch to audiobooks like me. And they don't care about physical bookstores. It may help them with discovery, right? If I see a book that's really interesting in a bookstore, you know what I do? Pull out my phone and I download the audiobook for it. <laughs> it's really sad because that bookstore doesn't get any benefit from helping me discover uh, that book. And a couple of other uh, quick disadvantages. Uh, you're not eligible for awards. Uh, most awards don't accept independently published authors, and you're not eligible for most bestseller lists. Uh, depending on when you listen to this, I feel like the bestseller lists are constantly changing their rules. For a while, the USA Today was the most indie-friendly and you'll see a lot of indie authors will say that they are USA Today bestselling authors. In fact, it's almost become a marker of a successful indie author. They will say they're USA Today bestselling author. Why do they not say that the New York Times bestselling author? Because the New York Times has a committee that decides which books get selected and which books don't get selected. It's not a meritocratic system. It is a rigged system. There are books that were in the top 10 on Amazon for all of 2018 that were not featured by the New York Times in their bestseller list. Why? Because the New York Times disagreed with the politics of those books. <laughs> so, um, and I'm not going to go any more into that, but uh, if you want, you can email me and I'll tell you what the books are. Uh, just realize that there's a committee that decides what gets in and what gets out of uh, the New York Times. And not only are they biased against certain political views and certain religious views, but they're also biased against indies. Uh, they like different kinds of books, and it is a curated list. Now, to be fair, all of the lists do that, because if they didn't, it would be the Bible, the number one bestselling book every month, uh, and it would be very boring as far as the bestseller list is concerned, because that's always the bestselling book. They all exclude the Bible. And that more or less makes sense because the Bible sells a lot of copies and really we're, we care in terms of the market and the population. What are the other best-selling books, right? Because the Bible's been the number one best-selling book since they invented printing presses, right? What is the first book that came off the printing press? It was the Bible. And it's been more or less a best-selling book ever since. It was a little hit and miss there in the early days. So they really got into indulgences. But this is off the point. So <laughs> uh, you're not eligible for the bestseller list as a general rule if you're independently published, with some exceptions, depending on what year you listen to this episode in. So bottom line, I recommend independent publishing for people who write genre fiction, especially if they're an experienced genre fiction writer. If you're writing military science fiction, if you're writing... Um, certain kinds of romance, even with Amish, there's a lot of room in indie to make a living uh, where as a genre writer, especially kind of a mid-list genre writer, it's really hard to make a living with traditional publishing. It, if you're in the top echelon, you make a really good living. There's not a lot of a middle class. I feel like the middle class has moved 
over in the indie world. And that's where most of the kind of middle class writers are. Uh, it also can work for nonfiction. We haven't talked about this much uh, this episode, but in the last episode, we talked about how people really prefer paper for nonfiction. Uh, in fact, for me, it's audiobook number one for nonfiction, followed by paper, and then followed by several empty slots and then ebook way down the list. I really do not want to read an ebook if you're a nonfiction book. Um, in fact, there was an author I was reaching out to on Twitter just a couple days ago, being like, hey, when's your book coming out on audiobook? Because he's a podcaster. And he wrote this epic book on podcasting. I wanted to read it, but it wasn't out on audible on audio. And I knew he had the gear. <laughs> so I'm like, there's no excuse for this, bro. And he's like, I'm working on it. So I, I, maybe I'll have him on the show when his audio book comes out. Um, but uh, for paper, uh, independent publishing doesn't work very well because paper is so expensive and print on demand is so expensive on a per book basis. And, you know, it's nice kind of here and there if people want to order copies, but uh, the margins are just really terrible. So, Harry Potter hardback, they're printing you know, a million copies. They're probably paying, I want to, I'm going to estimate 75 cents a copy, maybe a dollar a copy for a big, thick hardback book, just because there's so many copies printed. Maybe more now, because uh, the paper costs have been going up. Whereas that same book as an as a print-on-demand book would probably be $6 a copy, $7 a copy of just cost, because of how many pages it is and because it's hardback. Even for a paperback, though, you're looking at 4 or $5 uh, for the book. Uh, with print-on-demand, the number of pages has a huge impact on the cost per book for producing the book. So if a 200-page paperback is typically about 350 give or take, depending on various factors. That's kind of a good rule of thumb. It's very hard to pull your costs much lower than 250 though, for a print book, whereas it's not at all uncommon for an um, offset print, you know, traditionally published print book for you to get your costs down below $2 uh, and sometimes in the $1 range, uh, which is why bestsellers are such a lucrative business for traditionally uh, for traditional publishers, because they sell a lot of copies and it doesn't cost them very much to make those copies. So it's uh, really the business they want to be in is the bestseller business. Um, now for indie, now my book was nonfiction and I did it independently published uh, because it was niche. So for niche nonfiction, especially for uh, most professional speakers, uh, they do really well with indie publishing because they're able to sell their books in the back of the room. And it's often really uh, difficult for speakers, kind of mid-tier speakers. And, and by mid-tier, I'm saying people who speak to around 10,000 people or fewer, let's say between 1,000 and 10,000 audience members a year. Uh, that's enough to be pretty happy as a nonfiction indie author, but it's not enough to really get your teeth into traditional publishing. Um, it, you know, some traditional publishers may, publishers may find that more interesting than others, but it, it's tough, especially if you're on a really popular topic, right? Where there's a bunch of famous authors who are above you. Um, the, these publishers are not in the business of selling that many copies for the most part. Uh, whereas as an indie author, you can sell books in the back of the room and you can sell DVDs in the back of the room. And I've worked with indie authors, you know, who spoke at, you know, basketball arenas full of people, you know, would help them work their book table in the back. And they would sell $30,000 of the product in one weekend at this basketball arena. It wasn't their event. It was somebody else's event that put it on, but they were one of the speakers there and they were able to set up their book table and they had their, all their different indie books and they had their DVDs and they had all those different products and, you know, we had two or three people with credit card terminals and we were swiping them and selling them just as fast as we could. Uh, that same author uh, 
was not really able to get any traditional deals. No one was interested in him. <laughs> they weren't able to find anything that was mutually beneficial. So for speakers, um, it, it, it depends on your audience and it depends on your popularity. But that's where I feel like indie is the best for nonfiction. Uh, if you're a popular speaker and you have a lot of people there, but your topic doesn't have much of an appeal outside of your own speaking, right? This guy could fire up a room and get everyone in the room to want to buy his book, but none of those people would then tell their friends to buy the book and there wasn't any draw for the book outside of the events. I don't know if I'm doing a good job explaining this, but that's kind of where the, the cutoff is. And also, uh, indie publishing works better for entrepreneurial authors, authors who are approaching um, their publishing and they're writing like a business where you know they're managing the books and they have these different professionals that work for them and they're the boss and they've got their team. Um, traditional publishing works better for artistic authors, authors who more see themselves as artists <laughs> and they don't want to deal with all those people. They want someone else to handle all the business stuff and they just want to write. Uh, and I know of, of traditionally published authors who uh, saw how much money their indie friends were making. They're like, well, oh, gosh, you know, I can do that. And they would fail miserably because they didn't have that entrepreneurial spark. You've got to approach it like a business and you have to be willing to get your hands dirty, so to speak, in the business piece of it. And some authors just are not willing to do that. They don't like spreadsheets. They don't want to deal with spreadsheets and they won't deal with spreadsheets. That kind of author is probably not a good fit for indie publishing. Uh, you don't have to like spreadsheets to indie publish, but you have to be at least be willing to look at them because there's a lot of important information that's only conveyed in spreadsheets. Uh, and then finally, uh, fast writers. If you're the kind of writer who can write, you know, a book a month, a book every two or three months, you're writing four or five books a year even, uh, indie publishing is probably going to make you better money and potentially help you reach more people than traditional publishing is going to because uh, it's just not geared for that level of output. Uh, there are some tricks you can play if you work with your agent. Sometimes authors who are really fast will kind of operate uh, entirely different uh, pen names. So they're publishing with publisher A with pen name A and they're publishing with pen publisher B with pen name B, often in different genres. Like there's some really famous authors in history uh, who were doing that. In fact, I believe uh, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, uh, even though the pen names are different, it was actually the same lady writing both of those, keeping both publishers busy. I'm not sure if, if that's correct, correct, though. Somebody can fact check me in the comments of this episode. Uh, this, this is from memory. Um, but anyway, if you're a fast writer, indie publishing uh, is an easier place, uh, potentially, especially if you're a fast entrepreneurial writing writer. So if you're curious, you're like, I think that indie publishing might be the fit for me, but I want to learn everything I need to know to do indie publishing well. Well, I have some good news for you. Uh, the Christian Writers Institute has not just a course, but a bundle of courses on how to traditionally publish. They are by Lacey Williams, who is an expert. She's one of the top romance, Christian romance indie authors on Kindle. When the Calytics report came out, she was in the top 20. So she is successful and verifiably successful by a third party. So authors often are not very quick to share their own numbers, but that number was published uh, by a third party. Uh, she's doing very well, and she breaks down how to be a successful indie. Uh, so in one session, she goes over the publishing basics. In another session, she talks about finding your readers. In another section, she talks about newsletter writing, marketing. And then in another session, copywriting. Another one that goes into all the technical how-tos and the fiddly bits, uh, which is probably worth, you know, if you only buy one, maybe buy that one if you need help with the technical piece of it. 
It also comes with a session on subsidiary rights and a session by me on how to get published. That's a big overview of the whole process. If you bought these courses separately, they'd be $140. But if you use the code podcast at checkout, you'll uh, get the whole bundle for $44.10. That's nearly $100 in savings. And I think you're really going to like uh, these courses. So we had... To be fair, we recommended the Steve Lobby How to Write a Book Proposal course in the last talk. And in this one, it's the Indie Publishing Bundle. So not only am I not a partisan, but the Christian Writers Institute is also not a partisan. However you want to go, whichever path you feel the Lord leading you to take, we want to help you along that path. If it's traditional publishing, we have classes on traditional publishing. And if it's indie publishing, we have classes on indie publishing. I do these episodes with a little bit of fear and trem- trembling because I know there are partisans that follow the Steve Lobby blog on both sides, and they're very quick to criticize if you get any facts wrong. So anyway, I'm very uh, welcome to receive your feedback if you disagree or if you agree. Uh, do leave a comment in the episode. You can find the comments at Christian. Uh, publishingshow.com. And I also want to say thank you uh, to those of you who have left reviews. Uh, We haven't really asked for reviews on Apple Podcasts much, uh, but they really do help the show. They help people find the show and they help give us credibility on the show to bring on really cool guests. Um, Savvy guests judge podcasts based off the quality of their reviews. So if you want me to get some really A-list guests, uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really will help. And I really do appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.